Welcome to our podcast, Conversations About Student Mental Health. I'm Chris Leonard, clinical social worker working with adolescents for over 25 years. In this podcast, I talk with school administrators, educators, clinicians, and parents to open a dialogue that will help the growing number of students struggling with mental illness. In our last episode, I spoke with Laura, a parent whose daughter spent many years struggling with school avoidance, also known as school refusal. Laura shared that the critical piece to her daughter overcoming school avoidance was the special direct counseling built into her school day. Today, I am following up on that conversation with Linda McGovern, a clinician embedded full-time in the Randolph, New Jersey public schools, who serves and supports children just like Laura's daughter. Welcome, Linda. It's great to have you. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. So let's jump right in. So what do you think, you know, you've been in the school for quite some time. What do you see as the challenges schools face in working with school avoidance? I would say probably the biggest challenge is really finding, being able to find, develop and implement um, a support team and a plan for these school avoidance students. It's can be really difficult to get everybody on the same page. Okay. So who's, who's on that team? You know, what, who, what representatives from the school do you pull in? Well, I can speak to the district that I'm in, um, in Randolph has really done a nice job developing a team to work with school avoidance students. They call it the student connection team and they have administrators, teachers, school psychologists, myself, nurse, um, and I believe that's about it, maybe a guidance counselor as well. So it's really all the different aspects of the school are involved in the student connection team and they take a close look at attendance, they meet with the students, they do initiatives to try and help improve the students attendance and it's not done in a disciplinary fashion, they do it in a very motivating trying to provide help for the student rather than um, consequences for not being at school. Okay. So it's really, I mean, it, it really is this whole effort by a whole group of professionals yes. that you kind of help coordinate as the, as the embedded clinician, right? Yes, I am a part of it. I'm not referred to as a clinician in the beginning. They really work initially to do what they can within their already existing program to help the student. Mm-hmm. If and when if the problem continues, they will then be referred for counseling. But initially, that's provided by the guidance counselor or the child study team. So they really try and start with their own team first. Mm-hmm. And then once this, once they've really recognized that this issue is really chronic, chronic, the, the, the student is really stuck or the family is really stuck, then they're going to bring you in. Correct. So you're really bringing in this, this level of support that is far beyond what a typical school counselor can bring. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Initially, it's, it's consultation with Sage Thrive, and then ultimately, we provide that other level of support where we really get more involved with the student um, themselves and the family. Mm-hmm. So, Can you speak a little bit more about how your work differs from the work that a typical school counselor would do? Um, sure. Basically, school counselors typically provide what I like to call, you know, it's not very much an ongoing, consistent counseling it's a, so it's a school slash academic check-in often. Um, so there's just not that consistency. I don't believe that they really get into the root of the anxiety and depression that might be the obstacle for the student getting to school. 
So what I do is try and get in there with the family and the student and try and figure out what are the obstacles and really help them get through that and kind of service the whole child, not just the academic child. Um, the student, the school counselors don't do home visits. They just don't take it to that next level, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So there's really a, a, a lot more depth to the work that you do. Yes. And you can really get to the core of the issue rather than just focusing on, you know, if a student is having these issues, it's kind of, you know, it goes without saying that there are going to be academic issues. It goes without saying there are going to be attendance issues. You know, you can talk about the metrics of all that stuff all you want, but you're not getting to the root cause. Correct. And I think probably one of the key components is working with the family. Um, it really is such a factor in seeing an improvement and a change when you're working collaboratively with the family and the student sees that you're on the same team together. That makes all the difference. And typically school counselors don't get that in depth. Got it. So that that family work, how do you begin that work with the family of a school avoidance student? Well, like any student, you know, it starts with an intake and just try and get to know the history of the issues, the concerns of the parents. And then we look at um, the family dynamics that might be contributing to the issue. And we really start by just developing a plan together to get the student in. But I would say the most important factor is if it's possible to really get both parents involved. Um, we want mom and dad involved. We want them both to be an active participant in the plan. And that's usually how it starts is getting them together to be on the same page and work together. Mm -hmm. So so similar to what you're trying to build in the school community where you're bringing in all those professionals, you really want to engage the family. You're not. This is not just a matter of you know, just working with a student or, or even with just one parent, you, wherever possible, yes. if there are two parents involved, you want them both involved in the process. They're both contributing, absolutely, helping you problem solve, helping the student problem solve. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, are there, can you identify uh, any other key effective strategies? You know, obviously engaging that entire family, that's at the core of what you do. Right. What else is important to, to focus on? Is there... I would say coming up with routines, um, mm -hmm. specifically morning routines, um, having a plan, whether that be with the student, the family, the other key players, the guidance counselor, the nurse, the security officer who might need to let them in a side door, whatever accommodations we put in place. Um, other key strategies, having both parents involved. Um, a lot of flexibility. I think that's a big part of it is getting the team to all again, work together to be flexible and come up with accommodations that make sense for that particular student. Those are the key strategies. Gosh, that's that's really such a great point because one of the things I found in, in working with students with school avoidance is how rigid they can be in their yes. thinking. And it's got to be this way or I, or I won't do it, or it's got to be this way or I can't do it. And so to emphasize that flexibility you know what what they really need is yeah. they need to learn how to be flexible but they also need flexibility modeled for them yes and they need us to be flexible is it, is absolutely it, yeah i think what works for one student is not necessarily going to work for the next student so we have to take each child and look at them individually and figure out what accommodations make the most sense and and that really you know that has to involve everybody because we all have to be in agreement so that if we say, just for example, this particular student can come in a side door, it makes them easier. If a teacher walking by or a security officer says, no, you can't come in here, that's kind of started off our day 
difficult already. So, it, can, it can be just that one thing that happens absolutely. and then the student is running back to the car and it's over. 100%. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, so um, you must have some great stories. Can you, can you share one with us, one, one success story that you had? I would say probably the best success story that, uh, that I have that I, I do love to share <laughs> is a particular student who moved to the U.S. from Italy. Um, she had some school avoidant issues when she was a freshman in Italy, moved to the district as a sophomore. She made it in one day. Um, the guidance counselor handed her her schedule and she was lost and overwhelmed and she didn't come back. And the immediate assumption was that she wanted to go back to Italy. And really she was diagnosed agoraphobic. She really struggled. And so the following year, sophomore year, she never came in. Uh, she was referred to Sage Thrive. I started with her her junior year. And it started with home visits. So I would go to the home and just meet her and build a rapport with her. And given the diagnosis, we did a little bit of desensitization. We started going out to the community, meeting out for a cup of coffee in the morning. We can't be real therapeutic then, but we got to talk and get to know each other. Um, so ultimately, she trusted me a little bit more. She began coming into the building just for individual sessions. So she would come in, have an individual session, and then leave. And then I developed a group for her, found some other school avoidant students, other students with anxiety. She would come in twice a week then, once for individual, once for group. Ultimately, she began in a classroom that we had started for chronically avoidant and work refusal students. And she attended every day her junior year. And senior year, she was transitioned out into gen ed classes for most of her day, and she is currently in college and thriving. So oh, that, that's a great story. It was a long process, but it was, it was, it was a beautiful one. <laughs> she just did phenomenal with the supports that were put in place. Well, I really think you did a beautiful job in, in just talking about how slowly you had to work, and it was piece by piece by piece. And really, it really started with building that relationship, right? Yes, yep. And those were, you know, sometimes it was just a cup of coffee. Yep. And, and it couldn't be about anything else. It was just about sitting across from another person and having a cup of coffee and establishing a rapport. Yes. And all of that was so important to lay the time that it takes to lay that groundwork with mm -hmm. someone and establish that kind of relationship before you can even have any kind of working relationship, where you, right? Right. It's... Yeah, I would say, honestly, one of the biggest challenges with working with school avoidant students is um, unattainable goals, setting unattainable goals too fast or different expectations. Sometimes the school or the parents, they want immediate results, and that's not always the way it works. And if you slow and steady, sometimes wins the race, and it really worked out very well for the student. Yeah, it, it reminds me, you know, you're saying that, you know, people want immediate results. It reminds me of uh, a student I was talking about with someone this morning who was, was trying to start a new program and went to the new program and found this new program so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so quickly what the family did was they pivoted to, well, if this program isn't working out, we're going to try this program instead. And really the same issues started to play out because the, 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 what was playing out was that I am overwhelmed by this new thing. So throwing another new thing at me is not going to be the answer. The answer is going to be what's hard about the new thing yes. and how do I start, right? I find that often that if parents, um, you know, they'll call you saying their student, their child is texting them, they're having a difficult day and this isn't working. But that is sometimes said after three days of a new program and really kind of putting the brakes on it and 
allowing them to get acclimated and really letting us get to know them and work with them and, you know, just expecting too much too soon can be one of the biggest challenges with a school avoidance student. So that's really, that's really one of the pitfall pitfalls that, yes. that people just easily fall into because I guess what happens with school avoidance is people get so anxious. Yes. You know, if, uh, I'm not sure if you heard our last episode when I was talking to, to Laura, the mom, and she was just talking about how frightening it was yeah. that her daughter wouldn't go to school and you know, you just don't know what else to do and you're kind of at your wits end. And I, I, you know, that's gotta happen for teachers and administrators as well. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on people, you know, school, uh, administrators to make sure their attendance is good right. and everybody just wants results right now. Right. And I think that is also what's different between having a therapist embedded in the school and a typical school counselor is that we can take our time and address those fears and concerns. You know, I can call the family in and have a session and discuss their concerns and why they might feel it necessary to change the program so quickly um, because one day didn't work and have they been through this before and what helped in the past and changing it, you know, get you the results you wanted. You can have those conversations and really slow things down a little bit, which can be helpful. So one of the biggest benefits of having that embedded clinician in the school is, is the time that that person has. Because having, I mean, having worked in schools for many years, I know that if you're good um, in a school environment, there are lots of things to be done and there are lots of hats to be worn. And if they can hand you another hat and you can take that hat and put it on your head and carry that hat, they're going to give you the hat. Absolutely. So, you know, you can easily be, you know, somebody who, yeah, this is my t job title, but there are actually 19 things that I do. Right. And if you can do the 19 things, they're going to give you a 20th. Yeah. So to be that embedded clinician who's got one job, who really is there to give the time to the students, that's got to be so helpful. Yes, very much so. I do believe it makes a big difference. Uh, any other, any, does anything else stand out to you that I, that I haven't asked you about that would be important for people to think about? Um, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's, it's really getting everyone on board, getting the family on board, seeing, you know, to avoid the splitting, seeing the students, seeing that the, the clinician is working together with the family. We're working together with the teachers and that we're really on their side and we want to make it comfortable. We want to be helpful. We want them to succeed. I think that is probably the hugest thing for a school avoidant student to see, that we're not looking to punish them, to discipline them for having a hard time. We're looking to help them and have them feel successful. Um, and that really is a team approach. And you have to look at the whole child. You have to look at them in school, out of school, their family dynamics, what things they're involved in. You have to look at the big picture to really know what you're working with. Um, so it's both looking uh, globally and it's, you know, probing for that depth. Um, uh, do you have any other strategies that you that you would offer to schools something that's worked for you in particular that other schools could learn from? Well, I think Randolph has done um, an, an excellent job developing the student connection team. It has been very successful in helping students get back in the building. Um, the other thing that we have done that has been believed to be a huge success is we started a classroom for school avoidant students and other students with severe anxiety and work refusal issues where their day is just more flexible. They start the morning in a very comfortable, safe space 
Um, we can do the home visits. We have a second chance bus. There is one teacher that's really committed to that program that they can go to as a mentor and then the, the other teachers kind of filter in for their classes. And it's just building that program around the need has been just such a success. These, these students that I, the student that I spoke about earlier, I believe that made all the difference was having that safe space in the school. And everyone wants to help. The teachers want to be a part of it. Administration supports it. The director of special services supports it. So I think developing these programs and really implementing them to meet the needs of these kids can be super helpful. Oh, that that sounds right. And 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 really, the you know big part of the success that you've had in Randolph is that you know you just this as the as the Sage Drive clinician, you became part of the culture. You became part of the team, and the team became part of your team. You're yeah. part of their team. They're part of your team. We're all on the same page. We're all pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an ally for these students. You're not the truant officer coming to say, you right. know, you go to school or else. Right. Uh, you're an ally. Yeah. And, and this is what helps kids really move forward. Absolutely. And a lot of consultation, I think, with outside programming that's available, the community supports that are available for these students and families, having that knowledge, being able to share that with the district so that they can help families earlier on and make referrals for what they need can be really helpful as well. Linda, we're about out of time, but I I really appreciate you coming in today. I want to thank you for your time. Um, It was great. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I want to thank everybody for listening. We hope you got a clear sense of the strategies that, that people are using to address school avoidance and get students back to school. And of course, uh, always, please join us for upcoming episodes of Conversations About Student Mental Health. Have a great rest of the day. Conversations About Student Mental Health is brought to you by Sage Thrive, partners in school-based mental wellness. You can find the show notes on our website at www.sagethrivetoday.com. You can also suggest topics for upcoming episodes of the podcast. We'd love to know what issues related to student mental health you want to hear more about.